What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Houston Ensemble Podcast. This is episode number 22. The most important episode up to this point. We are bringing on somebody who is a a cherished gem of the internet. Uh, One of the most prolific and creative memers of all time. Uh, he owns a flotation center, a sensory deprivation float center in Florida, in Orlando, Florida. So we're bringing on Float Universe. Float, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. And uh, funny enough, episode 22, I have two favorite numbers, 17 and 22. So I didn't ask for that, but uh, it was a good. I saw that today on your website. I was looking at the, the videos. I'm like, huh, I wonder if I'm somewhere in the queue at like uh, 23 five you know 30 or if i'm like you know you do it like me which is you just shoot them and you, you post them yeah. so i guess i'm 22 and that's <clears throat> that's pretty awesome so yeah no it's great to be here thanks for having me and uh, quite an intro i feel like i'm a peon in the realm of real memers that people look at on their phone but i know a lot of those people and but in terms of the psychedelic memers yes i do feel like i did and was a big part of jump starting that community yeah and spreading that information via larger accounts and uh you know because that's how it works uh, with right. uh right, right. Vi- being viral and i remember it was probably a year and a half ago to two years ago somebody shared one of your posts with me and i saw it and i was like holy shit this is hilarious and then i went to your account and looked through everything and i was like okay 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 this is it yeah and uh, been following you since then, on and off. Um, not on and off, unfollowing and following, just me on Instagram. And um, then I said to Armin the other day, I was like, man. And I had messaged you from my other account sometimes. I know I sent you like a fun guy, a uh, U-Haul one time, and you dug that. What, what, was, was it a meme account or just a normal no, person? it was a person. It was called okay. Chaman Wessel Camper or Shaman. Uh, you sent me a mushroom U-Haul? Yeah, I sent you one of those, and you replied to it back in the day, and that was cool. That's and then cool. I was, I was just like, yeah. let's see if he wants to come on, because from like another perspective, we just have a lot of respect for you. Well, yeah. thanks, and uh, I try to reciprocate and pay it forward. And I remember when I first started posting memes, uh, like three or four years ago, and there I didn't have a podcast or anything, and I was talking to people, and every once in a while somebody would talk to me about podcasting but uh, i'd never done one before and, and this, one, this one time i actually did want to do it this guy had uh like the smallest little podcast and nobody knew who he was and he's like and i'm like dude i'll go on your podcast he's like i don't know who you are i'm like dude so i try to go on in every podcast i can doesn't matter if oh, it's your cool. first podcast ever or if it's a big podcast so it's i've had a handful of uh of both of those so it's been fun doing these things it's just talking and after a certain point you're just saying the same thing over and over yeah. to a degree and yeah. you know depending on the audience you kind of put a little different flavor in there but no. for the most part it's just uh, i you know the thing is what i realized too is what i have to talk about with the psychedelics and the memes and the floating and everything else in between is it's very novel a lot of these things a lot of people don't know about these concepts totally. they've never heard of them or it's just, they just scratched the surface and it's interesting to talk about nonetheless so it's, I'm, i feel like i'm always a good guest for people uh i I, i'm always good at filling air and it's been fun now just uh bouncing around so thanks for having me on and uh enjoying the memes 
can I uh, say a quick synchronicity that I had with your podcast? Uh, I love that as much as you. Uh, yes, please. I'm. You know, there have, there have been plenty of synchronicities for me personally, like even with your account and stuff. But uh, two weeks ago, I went to the gym and I was like, oh, I'm going to listen to some music. And then I was like, fuck, I'm going to be on the treadmill for like an hour. Let me listen to something that's going to take my mind away from that more than music. And so I was like, I'll do a Float Universe podcast because I hadn't listened in a long, long time. I think the last one I listened to was the 5D Awakening Consciousness over in the summer. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I randomly clicked on the Dark Iron Gains podcast because that was the most recent one. But I'd look through all of them and I was like, let me pick. And I was like, let me just do this one. Didn't know a thing about it. Was learning about it. And then um, I'm listening to him and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm you know, kind of in Houston in Texas and close to Houston, he said, and he's like, yeah, I used to work out at 24 hour fitness all the time. And I was like, wow, the first time I ever go to 24 hour fitness in Houston and I choose to listen to float universe podcast, they're talking about Houston 24 hour fitness. And, um, I don't know if that's when I asked you to come on or not, but it was right around then that I asked you. So yeah, it was. And, uh, that's what I like to hear because I feel like synchronicity is, is, is a good sign that you're in alignment with, uh, whatever yeah. your subjective truth is. There's an objective truth to the universe, which is bliss and love. But in terms of you, like getting onto that path, you have to kind of through synchronicity kind of is a, like a breadcrumb trail back to source. And yes. the more I feel like, I feel like it gets to a point where you're like on Pirates of the Caribbean and you know, it's a ride and everybody else thinks that oh, everything's out to get them. But really when you're, you know, psychedelics or meditation floating, all these things can get you enough of, of an, I guess I call it an alignment with the source. So yeah, the more you float, for example, the more you'll be in alignment with source because you'll just relax your ego and everything will kind of just, uh, melt away and you'll kind of realize a lot of things you didn't realize before mm-hmm. i want to say uh just to go with floating for a second uh my f- first uh first floating experience was a long time ago when i was in high school and um it was kind of at like a shabby place in cincinnati ohio and it was funny because we walked in there and the guy was like Did you hear about this from joe rogan and we were like yeah and uh we're in there and we were feeling it and then i fell asleep but kind of got into that dream state and then i woke up but i was like have i been awake the whole time i couldn't tell if i had woken up or if i had not woken up and then i had the realization oh crap i could be dead right now and i'm not yeah. really, i'm not exactly sure what is right and what is going on and then I also had to rely on the guy to knock on the door when we were done. There was no like automatic light system. And so that gave me an extra variable to worry about. But um, that first one was just like actually kind of psychedelic to to some extent. It's a very trippy feeling, that feeling of it happens a lot of time when you fall asleep and you wake up and you're like, you don't know where you are. You forgot you're in a float tank. You don't, if you're, if you're relaxed enough, you don't have a body. Um, and so you're just an awareness and a void. And it's like, uh, where am I? What time is it? Am I in hell? Did I die? Where did I go? Yeah. And then, you know, you feel the water eventually or something. You hear a little bit of sound and it brings you back to the state of, you know, you're floating in a float tank. But no, how many times have you floated? Um, I don't know, maybe 10. That's a good amount of times. And I actually, I, I did hear about it. Actually, the first place I really heard about it was from the Vice documentary that they did on it. 
Hamilton Morris. Yeah. And I said, wow, that's, that's cool. Then I did it with one of my friends in high school, moved to Houston. They have, they have some great float places in Houston. Also, you mentioned a float place in that last podcast. And I was curious about which one you were referring to. If you know the name, do you remember the the name? in In the dark irons one? Yeah. Not specifically. I could, uh, I could, you can, I'll message you offline. I'd have to look it up. Cool. Well, um, uh, and then I was reading a t- all of the John C. Willie's books and then I was like, oh, I should really get like deep into this. But unfortunately I can't do it that much cause it's freaking expensive. He's dense too. Well, the thing is you, a lot of that stuff you can find for free on PDFs. You just know, you just know how to go out to Google and you can find a lot of that stuff, um, as free PDFs or oh, I meant as text. Oh, go ahead. Floating, floating. On my, oh, gotcha. on my uh, student budget at the oh, time. Oh, no, yeah, 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 for sure. No, unfortunately, <clears throat> it can be um, either distance-wise out of reach or, you know, out of uh, your budget. But there's people that float at home too, but that's a whole another conversation. I, ultimately, we laid it out where, at, at least at our price structure here, it would take a couple of years for you to um, match the price of what you'd have to pay to put it in your house. So uh, you, uh, if you're going to float um, for the most part, it's easier just to pay and uh, do a membership. A lot of places you can find it where it's relatively reasonable. But uh, I, I always tell people one of the selling points is you're going to spend a little bit of money and it's going to be an investment that's going to pay off big time later. Oh, yeah. So, you know, yeah. Okay. It's a hundred bucks, 200 bucks a month for the membership, but Hey, what's your, you know, your investment in your self worth, how much you want to spend. I mean, it's, I think it's going to pay tenfold minimum. Totally. But you were you about to say something? Yeah, I was just about to say what you just basically said. I was just gonna say some people buy video games, you know, and some people float. You know, and you know, you can buy a video game for like sixty bucks. Some right. Pl- some places you can go float for like sixty bucks. Yeah, it is like sixty sixty mm-hmm. to eighty here in Houston, which yeah. is not bad at all. Yeah. Well, if you know, if the thing is you can do groupons, you can look for deals, you can um I mean a lot of places will give you a discount. Um, you just got to know and look for it. I mean, almost, almost every place is given discounts, especially right now. Or here's the thing. Are you guys, you're like Florida, right? You're not very shut down. Are you? No. no. Right. Same here. It's living, been pretty much, it's like we're living life. Yeah. Well, there you go. Nice synchronicity. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you float? I floated maybe twice at yeah. the, I think it was just called the Dallas float center. Uh, went there and we did an hour session. And funny enough, it was kind of what I expected. It was still very dope. You know what I mean? Uh, at the time, I was kind of dabbling with... Uh, Entheogens? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, of a certain of a certain type. And I, it was like, it was cool because I was, you know, I was trying to, I was... Kind of getting there without any of that, and it, that was a good feeling. Well, that's good. That, yeah, that you're getting there without. Uh, is it okay yeah. to talk about those things on this show? Yeah, it's okay to talk about. Yeah. It. Okay. Yeah. It's not. It's not like you were kind of just no, uh, tiptoeing around a little bit nah, there. Yeah. The, the name. I don't want to say what name it is. Here's, oh, psilocybin. DMT. Yes. There you go. <laughs> I would say like Rain I won't. Okay. I won't be. Uh, I won't be gruesome, um, because my mom is watching. I'm not gonna. Okay. Be, I'm not gonna be gruesome. You can be gruesome about it. Yeah. Do you guys cuss on this show? 
We can cuss. I have. Yeah. Okay. I don't. I don't, I don't need to cuss for the sake of cussing. I just sometimes it just. Yeah. I don't know. It's sometimes a nice it punctuation, or it's part of a joke, or it's just yeah, the way yeah. you know. It just sounds better with an F and F there slipped yeah. in. Oh yeah. No, this is actually like we do try and keep this like a very real, open-ended kind of thing. Yeah. Um. I don't know if you checked out like what kind of people we've had so far. We've had just normal like artists. Musicians. I kind of looked a little bit, and I was trying to figure out what the. Uh, what the overall message of the show was mine, which is kind of the same as mine, which is, it's just a, it looks to me like a hodgepodge, it, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah. yeah is yeah. there, is there like a mission or a thing? I mean, cause my, my main theme, if it would be anything, it would be floating. That's the central right. message of everything I do. Like, okay, float universe. It's, uh, it's an extension of these things that are like psychedelics and people who have uh, dreads that are white people and um, <laughs> people smoke DMT and, and, and I watch Hamilton Morris all the time. So I'll talk about that. So it's these people who do psychedelics, it's people who do yoga, it's people who, uh, uh, like to breathe and do breathing practices and i'll hear them chanting in the tank and they'll bring crystals in the tank so it's you know you guys look like you Whoa. fit the vibe there with the, the psychedelic stuff behind you and the let the me uh, right there on the desk let me show you something that i think you'll appreciate and i think you like made a post with it the other week but it's a tattoo i have uh it, it kind of looks like a, a baphomet but it also kind of looks like a spaceman what is see, that? Can you see it from where you are? Is it too far away? I can't. It looks like either the it's a bee's head or a baphomet or like a goat head. What's the head? It is a bee's head. It's the um, it's the cave painting from the Tassilu Plateau. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, I couldn't see. It. It's hard to tell Darn. from the. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no, uh, I was just trying to figure out what it was. Cause I post baphomet too sometimes. Yeah, I uh, when I was really young, I not really young in high school. I was reading a lot of Terrence McKenna, all the books and everything, and, uh, you know, exploring and investigating the consciousness. And that image from that pave caning always just kind of stuck with me. And I'd thought about it for, like, over a year on end if I wanted to get that as a tattoo. And then eventually I was like, yeah, I want to do it. But I thought it was going to be the size of my fist, and then when he actually drew it up, it was basically the size of my rib cage. And I was like, you know what, let's just do it. And I'm happy about it. Nice. Yeah. Uh, the the weird thing is, you know, I'll tell you something. Um, I actually tried to get my mother to, to try some DMT. Because she was going through a lot of grief over the loss of um, her um, stepson. Or, wait, son-in-law. <laughs> I just had a dirt moment. So my brother-in-law passed away because he was a heavy smoker, had a heart attack, as you would expect. And um, then she couldn't get over it. And I'm like, listen, maybe, you know, that that thing you saw in that Steven Seagal movie where he goes through a shaman trip to fight the final boss at the end of the film, you know what I mean? I've not seen that. <laughs> I was like, that stuff you asked about, like, I know what that stuff is. You know, you can try that stuff and maybe it might help you, you know, uh, cope. And she was, she was, she was into it. She was into it. But what I did is I stalled. I stalled for months and I tested her. I'm like, you sure you want to do it? You sure you want to do it? And eventually she flipped. She's like, no, I'm not going to do it. That would be scary. Well, you know, I, I, did she understand the nature of what it really was? 
No, see, I think she didn't. She was emotional until she wasn't emotional, and then she. I mean, did she understand that she would be in a place that I mean looks even crazier than what's behind you? You know. Yeah, I. I, I mean, I told her. I, I told her everything. I'm like, you but might, has, she, has she ever done acid? No, nothing. She's never. Well, done that's it. what I mean. Though. Like, that's probably... like the most extreme. It's like an alien shows up right now and says, "I've got a literally portal gun here, and I'm going to take you through the portal, and it's real." Yeah, I know. But hey, how many times have you done DMT? Mm, you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe too much. You know what I mean? I would say too much. Let's just put it at that. <laughs> Have you done it more than uh, the Dick Con? The oh, the bro, I bought that book because of you. Is it? Did he do, do, do what is it? Six hundred times? Is that what it is? Well, at at the, at the time of that interview, it was six hundred times. I think he's over a thousand now. Right. Dude, it's so crazy. I want to like look more into Dick Con. I I didn't even really like understand him i solely bought that book when i saw you posted it one time and also um the alien information theory i definitely read that which is super cool yeah that's the sort of stuff that you know i actually want to get into with you guys yeah because i've been saying to chad for ever since the big hoobla about the pentagon releasing all that information and not only the pentagon releasing all that information there's a lot of stuff the cia was declassifying on like on like astral projection and going to other dimensions and what the body can actually create in this and it was like whoa 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 all of a sudden all the crazy people that you used to call crazy you know what i mean all the crazy oh, yeah. people that used to be like oh man you're a nut for believing that stuff so they're all there they were all right the whole time and it was it was a huge shock on me and 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 with as with every single other time there's a big news in the media i'm like what is actually going on here yeah why is this so hard in the media now so what do you think about that float well, i think you've got a few things happening i think that is legitimate stuff a lot of times but then i think a lot of it is something t sometimes there are things they don't want you to see, and so they'll say, look over here instead. And so they'll say, oh, we've got an off-world craft, or uh, the aliens aren't going to come until we're, we're, be we're, ready, we're, we're ready and we're, we're better, right. we're nicer people, stuff like that. Now, uh, and, then, and then something bad will be happening in the news, like Epstein or something, and they'll say, oh, well, aliens are real. Oh, don't look at that other stuff. And so that's what people are really worried about is the next thing that the Illuminati or the New World Order will do is do something called Project Bluebeam, where they – project in the sky either something like the second coming of christ or oh, probably more uh so an alien invasion right they could put through holographic technology uh, independence day like uh craft over cities that aren't even really there oh yeah. Uh, yeah and you know so that'd be dope that, that well that's well that's the concern though is <laughs> it it looks real and it you know it can be it could be above, it could be above you right now in your city but it could be also yeah. just as fake as a hologram and it, it mm. looking real so um, I think they do exist. Obviously, you encounter entities in the DMT realm. So there are yeah. uh, external um, intelligent entities in the psychedelic realms. That does exist. I can say so from an experienced, mm -hmm. um, you know, from my own personal experience, they exist, whereas yeah. it's not something I've read in a book or a secondhand or right. thirdhand story. Now, as in, in terms of... Uh, real ETs that are meat bodies that I encounter like me and you, I haven't experienced that. I haven't seen anything yeah. in the sky. Uh, I believe, and I'm open to it. And I think a lot of these things are true about area 51 and, uh, 
what's his name that was Bob, doing the Bob, Bob Lazar. Bob Lazar. Bob Lazar. You think he's yeah. telling the truth? I think I well, I want to believe it, but uh, I did too. I, one day I, did I watched too. a video on YouTube, and it was these four guys that do body language, and uh, God, they're experts. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah, experts yeah, at uh, yeah. people who are lying and and, yeah. and deception, Shit. and they all basically agreed that uh, either he had basically said the story for so long that it was hard to tell because right. he'd been saying the same story for yeah. like twenty years. You get you, you get time to polish it, yeah, right? Yeah, but, yeah. You definitely. And then, but they said a lot of the he, he does he does have a lot of deception. So it was what? basically yeah. it, it leaned more toward uh, deception than not. So that's gonna it, 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 it was kind of inconclusive, but you know, it's you know, I'm a believer. I haven't experienced in real um, non psychedelic space, but in psychedelic realms, they exist. So that's as far as I'm willing to go in terms of my lived experience. Why would he lie the whole time? Like uh, really probably to get away with that? with cheating on his wife at some point. <laughs> well, again, it's uh they were they were kind of inconclusive, but again, it leans more towards the deception side. So it yeah. wasn't like there were, it wasn't a definitive. He's lying. When I watched the latest like big Joe Rogan you know interview with that bearded guy, um, that's kind of. I forgot, but he's like a documentary producer. Oh, uh, the guy who did that documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And my thought was pretty much the same. I was like, it kind of. I think I even said he's it to, an, to Chad. I was like, this guy probably yeah. has gone really good at telling this story. That's kind of the vibe I got. Jeremy Cor Corbell or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's like a little bit too overzealous on yeah, it, maybe, maybe. but I could also concede that maybe he's being overzealous because he's so enthusiastic about. The, the truth that he thinks he's um, yeah. showing. But then the next question would be, so you, so then float. You're saying it's a it's a it's a distraction. It's a projection. So basically, you're saying that the Pentagon story is a uh, fugazi. I'm saying when it actually happens, it's going to be hard to tell. Unless yeah. you shake an alien's hand, think about it. You know, it's like whatever. It's yeah. with the riots. You know, they projected the riots a certain way, or coronavirus a certain way. It's the narrative they want to tell. Yep. And the thing about the hologram is, they could tell that narrative. You could go out and look in the sky, and you could you would see it, and you wouldn't be able to determine if it was a hologram or not. So therefore, their narrative would play better than you know, because you can also it's a lived experience narrative versus you know. You sit in your house and you're told to sit there and put a mask on and shut up and you you don't know that the hospitals are empty you believe that they're full right. because you've been told that so that's the kind of the same kind of thinking is they could control you even more and unify us more under this one world government by saying there are alien invaders and they're here to get us and look well they actually are they're in the sky but they're actually a projection from the illuminati right so right. as much as i want to believe um and again the people in the uh truth community and the q community in the great awakening community they all believe in a lot of its channel information of uh, these other extraterrestrials out there that are have been working uh in the background doing stuff like taking out nuclear missile silos and you know taking those things out but they've been also working and kind of helping us take down the cabal and when we do finally take out the cabal and we in this uh basically human trafficking plague uh, then the aliens will come down, we'll have first contact, and we can join the, you know, the galaxy, the confederation of planets, whatever the hell they call it. But that's kind of the general flavor of the spiritual new age uh, conspiracy, new uh, Q community people type vibe in terms of those kind of aliens. So basically how it works is you've got the Draco reptilians, which are the low vibing people, 
that are basically the overlords of this planet. And then you've got the, the, tr the trillionaires and the billionaires, like the Rothschilds and the Soros, and and it, it's all working down this pyramid. The, you know, the eye at the top of the pyramid of the Illuminati is mm -hmm. uh, the eye of providence, but it's also Satan, right? Yeah. Uh, they all worshiping, they're all worshiping Satan or some form of it in like Baal or Moloch. So anyway, he's got this giant pyramid, and we're here at the bottom. But, uh, you know, the, the, so there's that, the Draco Reptilians and then the Illuminati. And then on the other side of the spectrum, it's the, the light workers and the higher intelligence uh, entities, uh, higher dimensional entities. And, uh, you know, like the Pleiadians is a classic example right. of channeled uh, higher beings, not necessarily higher dimensional, but uh, maybe from another planet or star system. Um, so you've got interdimensional and uh, interplanetary intergalactic if did, you believe it did you read the law of one i have read it yes i also read it uh like a couple summers ago and I, it's I, classic material when you're taking psychedelics and trying to figure out the nature of reality asking whatever you perceive as god at the time and yeah that a lot of times would come down and a lot of spiritual teachers use the law of one as the base of because basically it's a good way to explain a lot of things and it takes from a lot of the spiritual concepts. It's a very unifying um, book. Was it, I think. Uh, I'm not really sure. Was, and I, let me rephrase that. I've heard certain stuff, but uh, in your perspective was, is it like a completely debunked thing or do you give reverence to it? Oh no, I think it's got totally legit. I'm uh, Okay. I kind of feel like that too. No, it resonates with the truth. I'm saying a lot of spiritual teachers will use it as the core of their teachings uh, especially ones that aren't coming from like a lot of times you'll find teachers who get in trouble. Like mm. they're not really in that space of love. They're in an intellectual space of oneness and they're basically sociopathic or psychopathic, um, Sad spiritual guru. teachers. <laughs> oh yeah. And they have, they've, they've intellectualized, um, and maybe they've experienced a little bit, but they've intellectualized, uh, spiritual truths and, uh, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. through other people's teachings and they've memorized that and then regurgitated it out as their own. Mm -hmm. And so you, you have a lot of that. Um, and so a lot of times you'll find those people teaching the law of one. Because, again, the law of one is just a really clear example of a lot of ways about how the nature of reality kind of functions and um, higher dimensions and the purpose of reality and your subjective experiences, all these other th tools that surround us like breathing and meditation. And, and I think it even tells you yes or no about psychedelics and stuff like that. I can't remember. It's been a while since I've read it. But it's basically, yeah, a bunch of channel information, right? I think that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, it is totally where she's just channeling Ra the entire time and yeah, Ra yeah. is speaking through right. her. The thing that actually uh, made the biggest impact on me is when she, well, I, not she actually, the guys were asking Ra about um, how the pyramids were built. And Ra states that the people at that time were so in tune with the energy of the earth that they were able to use their collective consciousness to essentially carve out the stones from the earth and lift them up with the earth's energy. So access all points of energy within the stone and the earth. And when I read that for the first time, I was like, that makes sense. That's have, you ever, have you ever, have you ever heard of <laughs> Coral Castle? Uh, no. You need to look into Coral Castle. That's a really fascinating example of somebody in the modern times down here in Florida he built this uh, out of coral, these giant slabs of unmovable things by men, coral, basically. Coral, coral slabs. And uh, made a castle out of it. 
uh, dedicated to the soulmate he loved, I think is the story. But long story short, they never figured out how he did it. And he said he knew the secrets of how they built the pyramids. Oh. And I think he was, I think he was using sound, sound technology to levitate it. So and, and I think he also knew the t- uh, the secrets of three, six, and nine, which is a Tesla thing as well. Yeah. So oh. look 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 into Coral Castle if you've never uh, looked into that. That's basically the guy said he knew how they built the pyramids, and he did it basically. That's another thing. So Armin and I are like musicians by trade, and uh, we both went to school for music, and that's really like our main gig here in in Houston. But we also want to do other stuff like the podcast, and we're. I would say big to an extent on the three, six, nine Tesla kind of thing. And, uh, I know one of our first videos that we put out when we moved into this house together was a little duo and we really made sure to tune it to four thirty two, which is that resonant frequency with the body. And I know right versus versus four forty, which is the standard tuning. And I know that if we did like a full on album now, we haven't enacted this in our current uh, composing, but we'll, we'll enact it. We'll enact it post. <laughs> we'll enact it in post. <laughs> and we want to make it 432. And we'd like to play like everything in 40, 432 to really just resonate with everybody. And honestly, the main goal would be to be playing shows that are completely spiritual and psychedelic in 4032 letting everybody just become one with the music and that sounds crazy right now and i wish that were happening tonight <laughs> yeah i know right um well we're, we're becoming one in a different way exactly. we are yeah yes, sir i think pretty much everything uh, it seems to be headed towards the direction hopefully that uh, human beings actually elevate their consciousness we actually achieve fifth dimensional state and yeah, and and maybe on one angle, I c- it's starting to feel. I don't know how you feel about this. Well, but, but in a way, we've already, we've already achieved it because you know there yeah. is no time; it's timeless. You're 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 stuck in a different kind of way of being or thinking, but uh, you're kind of like one foot in the other, like me. I think half the time. Yeah, and it, and it seems like maybe um, that there's a. At least this is like a way of maybe um, interpreting it that the evil entities are at like some sort of desperate. They're they're getting desperate, like the the things that I'm seeing. It seems like there's desperation within various government entities and whoever other entities you know what i'm saying yeah are you vibing with what i'm trying to get at here well here, you know here's one way to think about it and I, I struggle with this concept all the time this the concept of evil and are people evil uh but here's one way to think about it now until i turn on tv and think about the illuminati or the government or the president biden trump whoever my life is what's in front of me here is what's really real. That is a, a, almost maybe possibly a complete fallacy by a, a bunch of producers who want to, you know, tell a narrative and scare people or get them to do a certain thing, like get a shot or something. So my thought is this, that maybe um, until I manifest it through fear that evil doesn't exist. And I'm not, and, and I'm not saying that people who are hurt or get, injured by somebody else or have been victimized. I, I, I'm not trying to minimize that, but and I'm not trying to attract somebody into my reality that's going to prove that point that, you know, the, in the opposite direction of like, no, there is evil asshole. I'm here to prove it to you. No. Um, so I struggle with that sometimes. It's like, you know what? 
I try not to worry about those things because I'm in my field of uh, space. I don't really, I don't really manifest those things. I don't really attract those things because I think truly it's because I, I don't radiate fear that attracts things that my fear would, you know, like, you know, you, you radiate fear, you're going to attract things to be afraid of. Right. So that's what, that's, that's a concept I struggle with. It's a lived experience of truth. But then I see other people who I want to tell this truth to, but then they're like, you know, they can't kind of get there where they can drop their fear and experience that truth of anything, but that one reality they've been dialing into for their whole unconscious life. So um, that's what kind of floating does. It kind of gives you a space where you can slow down, relax, be quiet without any kind of training meditation experience or any, you know, anything. I, I mean, it's very rare. I have a failure. And even then, even if they're in there 20 minutes and they come out, then they've let go enough where they come out and they talk to me and it's more of like a therapy session here. They don't even know it, but I do know, I do know it at this point that when somebody gets out early and like they come with somebody else. Right. So they're stuck here, right? They drove, they, and they get out of the tank early. And so I know it's therapy time for them. A lot of times I'll just let's mm -hmm. sit there and I'll let them talk. I'll hold a space of loving oneness and non-judgment. And then uh, because they're a little bit loosened up from the tank, uh, because even that 20 minutes, it can change your life in the tank. It really can. Because some people's life is so fast and their mind is going at such a speed that there's no chance to get a gap in there. And they're not going to sit and meditate. That's going to be impossible for them. So the tank gives you an opportunity to step into that gap and to fall out of the mind and step into that space, even for just a split second. And it's like, oh, wow, you know that there's, even at that point, you know there's something outside of your normal uh, lived reality. It's like, okay, now I want to explore this more. I want to widen the gap and fall into that space of what they call sat Chittananda, truth consciousness bliss, which is when you are outside of your mind and you know, kind of in that space of, of oneness and I guess a fifth dimensional space or beyond. Mm. So that's what I kind of do here is I try to create the perfect conditions for the float so people can come here. I, I basically clear the runway so they can land and unload whatever they need to unload in the tank. Because mm -hmm. once, we, once we close the door and the lights go down and they're in the water, you're on your own. It's, it's your own uh, stuff you got going on. And a lot of people tell me they don't want to float because they don't want to confront what's ever in their mind. And oh, I, that's wow. totally understandable. But those are the people that need to float the most. Yeah. Whoa, that is actually crazy. I didn't even think of that for floating, but that makes a lot of sense. Um, I want to tell you guys a story that happened to me recently. Uh, me and my girlfriend were having a, a Molly type type night, and um, we decided that we wanted to do like a ritual for a tarot card reading. And she reads tarot cards and she's had this deck for a while and she feels very connected with it. And uh, so we were, we had some crystals as well and we were kind of like blessing the deck and putting the crystals on the deck. And then she said, what are your intentions? And then I gave my intentions and I won't go into all the tarot card because that's not exactly the point of the story, but every reading from the tarot card was spot on. And like to the point where it gave me chills because it was just so accurate for what we were thinking slash experiencing at that moment. But well, you were on MDMA, right? Yeah. But that helps. Yeah, I think that it helps accelerate your electromagnetic field to, to create those synchronicities with those objects in the field. And another time, I believe that we saw a UFO actually uh, in the sky, not like a, a hovering disc or anything like that. But we saw while we were driving on the highway, a light that went through the sky that was a ball slightly were you on something then too yeah what were you on 
the same thing. Have you ever considered that sometimes it's not about them revealing themselves, but it's about raising your field to the point where you can just see them. They're there all the time, but you're just yeah. at a vibration where you just can't see them. Cause that's yeah, what I've totally. experienced. Yeah. No, I, I really think that that probably is how it is. You're more open to it and your energy is just, it's like your filters open a little bit more, but I do think right. like the MD, the, the veil gets thinner sometimes, especially on LSD, the, the veil will just oh. completely disappear. You'll be like on Some, the holodeck again. It's like, Oh, sometimes shit. too much. Like I feel like, the LSD, it's like that can actually be too much. Where the, I love the, the veil disappears. I love the holiday. <laughs> and then you start yeah. time traveling, and you're getting all twisted, and you're like, ah, okay. But anyway, I think we saw this UFO in the sky, but that's also not the point of the story. But that was really crazy. And uh, every tarot card reading was spot on, too spot on, because before that, I was totally into tarot cards, and I'm totally into it, but I had never had that sort of experience before. But then um, we had also invited ghosts into the home. Positive. I, I made sure to specify positive ghosts, and we did not want any negative entities. And so we're in bed at this point, and we're kind of sleeping or trying to sleep, and her door is slightly ajar, and we have a little red light creating this very cool light on the ceiling. And all of a sudden, the door slams shut. And it is a very hard door to shut. Like, it takes force, no doubt. And there was no, like, air pressure thing or anything like that. I'm aware of that. And I've already thought about that a lot. And then immediately after the door slammed shut, the light turned off. Now, the light is on a one-hour timer. So, sure, maybe it hit that one-hour mark. But at the same time, that doesn't matter in this perspective because the door slammed shut, the light turned off. We said we both said, "Whoa, that was wacky," and then we're sitting there. But you're also, you, you're sharing that. Uh, uh, you're both sharing that space of heightened uh, excitement and belief that there's something there, and I think yes. all that coalesces to actually create it sometimes as well. Not to say that it didn't happen, but in my experience with phenomenon, it's always heightened electromagnetic energy, whether it's sadness, grief, happiness, joy. Those phenomenon, synchronicity, ghosts tend to happen much more in those heightened, especially obviously psychedelics. There you go. That's another one. Heightened electromagnetic state, heart and mind coalesce together to create some kind of reality or you puncture the veil or penetrate the veil. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, <laughs> no. And now I agree with all that. And But she was a little bit more like asleep or at least trying to go to sleep. And I was kind of still laying there. And I was looking at this uh, circle image of this Egyptian. It's kind of like um, a female Egyptian character. And it's on her wall. And I was looking at it. And then the space in front of it started to vibrate. It kind of looked like how heat looks when you look at it from afar. And it's vibrating the space. And I was looking at it. And I was like, is it my eyes? Are my eyes kind of like messed up right now? But then I kind of looked around the room. And I didn't feel it as much. And then I kept looking there. And then it was really vibrating. And then I noticed that it was a essentially a ball of energy and it was moving across the room. And I was like close to the bed. And I was like, oh my God, this is really like an energetic phenomenon of some sort. And then I looked up and I saw it as like an energy smoke come onto the bed. And I can't tell you if what I felt in my legs was me creating that feeling just from the kind of fear slash excitement of it, or if I was actually feeling the energy come upon us, but that was the most real, um, ghost 
energy type experience that I've ever had. And I swear that I really do think it was accurate because of the, of the tarot card reading and everything that had led up to that moment. And since then I've been like, wow, I would like to do sounds that like, again. Sounds like a yeah, powerful night. Well, those, those you'll never recreate that. Unfortunately, I've tried so hard to recreate some of my best psychedelic moments and I've never even come close. So yeah. Uh, you're, you know, you're different, you're a different chemical makeup bag. By the time you come back, you can never step in the same river twice. Neither you or the river are the same. So, uh, that's the bummer, but that's also the, the fun thing about psychedelics and that I, what I enjoy about psychedelics is there's a, there's a good built in protection where you can't do them too much because they, you have to double the dose and you're either going to waste the psychedelics or you're just going to be tripping like an asshole all the time, wasting money and just wait, you know, cause at a certain point you become just like a loser just laying there. But also they kind of will put you, they'll give you a bad trip and they'll tell you, okay, it's time to back off. It's time yeah. to, you know, go work on these things that we keep putting in your face over and over again that you refuse to accept. And so I'll kind of uh, take a little side road here. I think the most important thing I do with the floating and psychedelics is, uh, hold on, I gotta, oh, there we go. Somebody was beeping. But, um, no, floating in psychedelics, huge, right? A lot of people in the floating community don't want to talk about it because they don't want to encourage that to come into their float center. But by virtue of what I do online and, and with the float universe stuff, I don't have a choice. And John Lilly, the inventor of the float tank, essentially, he was a big psychedelic explorer, LSD, ketamine, giving yeah. LSD to dolphins, stuff like that. So I kind of follow in his, I'm, I'm a little bit of Terrence McKenna, a little bit of... Uh, uh, Hamilton Morris I'm a little bit of uh definitely <laughs> you're what's kind of funny is like as you said all three of those things you literally do kind of like feel and look like a morph of all three did you ever see that graph that John Lilly made about the dosage of ketamine in the mapping of the consciousness plane and when you start to meet different beings and whatnot I, I that's one I haven't seen actually oh man I think it's in the book uh like center of the cyclone or something the cyclone book I forget what it's called yeah yeah but uh he, he, he he's very dense it. reading too he's very dense it's, it's a dense read with him it's so crazy and then you watch interviews with him and you're like oh my god this guy is like on a whole nother level but that inspired me to some extent and I think which is why it made me want to float more because I really want to use the 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 float tank as you know, a way to help explore the consciousness and see what that means. Well, that's where I was going with the uh, psychedelics, of the float tank. So what psychedelics, or I'm sorry, what the float tanks allow you to do is to reach a state of stillness and quiet that is unparalleled unless you have 15, 20, 30 years sitting in a cave meditating. It's just unparalleled with no prior ability. And so you're laying there in this heightened stillness, heightened quiet, and you can really understand what the psychedelics are trying to get through to you, what the mushroom is saying, because the mushroom speaks, I'm sure you know that. And that's why Terrence McKenna always is talking about five dried grams in silent darkness. Um, well, we've got the silent darkness and we've got the uh, levitation element. We've got the zero gravity. You're going to decompress your spine. That's another thing. People get in the float tank for the first time. They've never relaxed that deeply. Yeah. You've got this your, your gravity pushing down your spine all the time. People get in the tank and their body intuition starts to kick in that they've never even knew they existed. They're like, oh shit, half my body is like screwed up. I need to go see the doctor about this because they're laying in the tank and they can't relax half their body because you know, they lived an unconscious life up to that point and they're now everything's being revealed. And it, 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 I can lay in the tank in the morning for 20, 30 minutes or at night and after a long day and I can hear things just 
It's just by virtue of laying there and relaxing so deeply, they snap back into the place they need to be. Whoa. And if they don't, oh, you'll hear the you'll hear the pop of the snap too. Without you even doing it, they'll just kind of like slip back to where they need to go. Wow. And so that's what I mean by people getting in the tank, and then it's like, oh this isn't right here because I'm laying in the tank and I can feel how screwed up things are in my body because you're just so relaxed. The body wants to kind of default to its, uh, you know, relaxed position, but it can't because you've had 20 years of, of head injuries. And uh, now it's revealed that your shoulders screwed up and your neck and all this whole side of your body is all jacked up. So the, 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 the immediate takeaway from floating is going to be the physical benefit. You're going to be laying in a thousand pounds of Epsom salt. You're going to get the magnesium. That's the default for everyone. At the, that's the guarantee. I can't guarantee metaphysical stuff. I can't guarantee spiritual mm. stuff. Um, here's a big tip for first-time floaters. I'm sitting here every day. I'm, I'm on it uh, for two years hardcore now running the show here. And I ask everybody different questions coming out of the tank. And 99 times out of 100, the people who have visionary experiences in the tank have their eyes open. So that's a big oh. tip because it's an interesting thing. You're laying in the tank. Wow. You're relaxing everything. But you're laying there with your eyes closed. For A couple things are happening. First of all, you're flexing those muscles. So that's right off the bat. Um, everything's relaxed but your eyelids, which is weird. And so you, another thing is you're used to closing your eyes when you sleep. And your brain is like, okay, it's sleep time, it's meditation time. So it's almost a thing your brain kind of knows. Whereas if your eyes are open, your, your, your brain doesn't understand that this positionality of the lids are this way, but there's no light at all. And so the brain starts to freak out, up becomes down. It feels like some people, their first experience is like spinning down a drain, or it feels like they're coming, like they're laying like this, but they're kind of like orientating up. Or it can feel like an infinite void. It can feel like so many different things. Um, and that's just the first time. And then you float more and more and it becomes a deeper journey. You floated like 10 times. So, you know, it gets uh, progressively better. The more you learn how to do it, you learn how to, you, you can relax. And, you know, uh, you but, know what I would say, actually, what's weird is I feel like my floating as it progressed did not become more metaphysical. For example, I, I swear the first time. Oh, same for me. Same. The most. Mine's only mine at this point, and now when I do psychedelics, is a different story. Yeah, but I mean, and I, this is a shame. But most of my, I live here, so most of my floating has been. Uh, I get up in the morning, I inspect the tanks sometimes, and I will lay in them twenty, thirty minutes for the physical regeneration. But every once in a while, I will be a ninety-minute float. But the really like when you when we get in, if you get into John Lilly stuff, John Lilly is not floating for an hour. And right. so this is something this is something I need to address yeah. here that re people rarely understand. Okay, you're going to float for the first time. You're not going to get altered states. It's going to be rare. It, it would help if you have meditation experience, but it's going to be almost uh, highly unlikely that you're going to get an altered states experience the first time. Uh, and especially if you, if you have sky sky high expectations, the first rule I think with floating is besides not touching your face to keep it dry, yeah. is no expectations. You know, you have a high expectation and nothing happens, you're going to be disappointed. Oh, I'm never going to do this again. Fifty bucks wasted. Yeah. So, um, no expectations is the number one rule. And um, what were we talking about? Now I will say the first time I floated, we had eaten a, you know, a, a, a cannibal, a cannibal. Right. Well, I tell people to try to get that baseline experience of what it is before you start mixing in things, because then with the edible, you don't know where the edible begins and the floating, you know, ends. And where that, you know, one ends and one begins. That's true. And all of mine subsequent after that had been totally baseline. Every single one of them, actually. Yeah. I have a question. I say, and I, and, oh, go ahead. Um, about you know 
a few minutes ago, you mentioned that sometimes the antigen can like tell you to buzz off for a little bit. It could be like, you know, you've done enough. You know what I'm saying? And oh, I yeah. and I actually had that that happened a very intense version of that uh, now a little more than a year ago, and since then I haven't touched uh, Dimitri at all. You know, and 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 as a matter of fact, well, that's a lie. I'll tell you. I'll tell you, that's a lie. But I'll tell you something. I did do. I did try like a a, a huge dose once at. That's at, at, at a friend's house. No. Oh, okay. At, at a friend's house. And this is the crazy thing, Float. So, I mean, it was. My house? No. Okay. It was, it was a, it was a, it was, you know, it was like the, the monument. It was like the biggest rip probably I've ever taken in my life. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> and this is the hilarious thing. It didn't do anything. Oh. And now I'm going to check this that. out. But check this out. But sometimes you can get a weird burn, you know what I mean? You get a weird burn, yeah. and you don't get it on time, and you're fucked. But what's crazy is that my friend then took it and just smoked the remaining, the, the remains of it, and he fucking, he shot into space, you know what I mean? I remember yeah. that. Which, which, was, which, was, which was very weird. And then, uh, and then at that point, I was like, damn, maybe, like, it's, it's, it's cut me off. Maybe they control it, for sure. I've oh. had experience with mushrooms like that where... I one time took five grams expecting, and I had done all the proper things. I didn't had, I didn't just do them the day before. I did, it'd been months, so I, there was no tolerance issue. I said this is going to be epic. I was kind of worried, you know, five grams is not is not baby, it's not a baby dose. No. Um, so I said, you know, let's let's go for it. I did it. Nothing happened. Very disappointing. Very Whoa. disappointing. And then uh, I don't know. Six months later, I did a gram or less with some friends, and I was yeah. on the floor. I was on the floor. I was the big shot, but they kicked the mushroom. Said, "You know what? Here's the lesson: we control what happens. You can give, you can lay the mushrooms Ooh. out on a table, and you can give your friends as much as they as they want, and they'll be all right. The mushrooms control the experience they're going to get, whether oh, it's going to be inert and nothing's going to happen, or whether they're going to be on the floor crying, figuring out what they're doing wrong with their life. They're going to get what they need, and so you can always. I always trust that I've never given anybody too much because." Like I said, I've eaten the five and nothing's happened. I've eaten less than a gram and I've had some of the most profound, uh, painful and embarrassing experiences. So uh, definitely that's, that can totally happen. I'll give it, I'll tell you another story. Um, LSD, I gave a guy LSD one time who, he was a friend of mine and he, had, he, he runs a business and he couldn't sleep and he was working really hard and he just, he wanted a trip like the normal trip to see things, Lucy in the sky with diamonds, have a good time lots of colors, blah, blah, blah. Well, I gave it to him and I kept calling him that night. I gave it to him, nothing. And the next day I called him, nothing. 48 hours goes by, I finally hear from him. He's like, he slept. He, he slept for two, hour, for two days straight. Whoa. So, but he took two tabs of LSD. You're not supposed to be able to do that. He took Whoa. the tab. I'm saying, you take the tab. I can't sleep for two days when I take two tabs. Right. He slept for two days. And so I asked God, I, 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 you know, you can kind of have some body talk. You can learn to talk to your body. And uh, goosebumps for me is a good way to know, like, you can call it Holy Spirit totally. or intuition. Yeah. But uh, definitely got the confirmation on that with when I asked it uh, with the goosebumps there. So, yeah, man, it's uh, the mushrooms and the, the floating and uh, what are we it, talking about? In I was just I want to piggyback off I'm that. I'm stoned, by the way, if you didn't know. Great. Well, you, you know, guys smoke? Of course, man. Don't, don't worry. <laughs> I don't know if we can, I don't know if we can say it in front of mom. 
We can. No, mom's actually cool with it. No, she's okay. like, she's, she, be productive. Yeah. Be honest. You, you look like a music producer, by the way. Man, thank you. I'm trying. I'm trying to forget this. I can't remember his name. He was a really good one. Oh, I'm, you, I actually look like somebody. Yeah, you look like somebody famous. Was he I white? Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, I'd be cool if it was anybody, by the way. Don't get, don't get that twisted. Right. No, no, like no. That. Nobody's, nobody <laughs> takes it that way. Um, but what you were saying about like they control it. I've never thought about it. Thought of, I have two things to say. I've never thought it about like that. I've never thought about it like that. You haven't? For mushrooms uh, specifically. Well, God controls it, but yeah, you can, the mushroom entities uh, uh, via, but yeah, the universe controls it ultimately. Think about it like this. The universe is everything, right? It's everything, yeah. literally. It's the hologram, right? Everything is God. Even the devil's God. It's a hard concept for people at first, but the universe, every, everything springs out from the universe. The concept of God and the devil even springs out from that hologram. So um, that being said, it's like a hand, right? So the hand of God pops out and then gives you all these psychedelics. And so even though you get the thumb and it's the mushroom, it's still part of the hand of God. So the mushroom is not separate from God. The information it's getting to you, it's just putting on a mask and saying, hey, I'm a mushroom yeah. and you need, to, you need to know this about your life. Wow, I love that. And so our other roommate here, I, he uh, recently moved down here from Cincinnati as well. And we went to high school together and we kind of, you know, did the, did this exploring together in high school and very early college. And uh, the first time we did some mushrooms together for the first time when we were in high school and we did an eighth and we didn't exactly know what we were getting into. And it was uh, the second craziest experience, I'll say, of my life where everything is like completely the ground is made out of Pez. Uh, it's a roller coaster. Everything's amorphous. Uh, but the thing is, I'm so blissful and ignorant in that in that first time that it does not frighten me in in the sense that my reality is a complete shift or that my reality has been completely changed. But then another time we do nine grams each and we drink it. I Jeez, okay, crush it, crush it up. Yeah. Or let me rephrase that. Grind it up. Let it soak in orange juice. Somebody told us to do this. Let it soak in orange juice for a while. And lemon then, tech. Yeah. And then <laughs> lemon tech and then drink. That's the, what they call that. Drink the sludge. And I swear to God, man, by the time that we were done drinking it, it was the hardest thing ever. You you drank nine grams of lemon tech sludge. Yeah, and just by yourself, or you guys split it? No, we each. Yeah, we each took it. Nine. So you took nine dried grams. And yeah, that's a lot, dude. That's yeah. a lot. But by the time we had finished drinking it, it was already gone, and we were like, "Whoa, let's sit down. Let's listen to a little Miles Davis. Let's see what." Wait. So what do you mean? What what do you, what do you mean by the time you sat down? What do you mean? Uh, okay, so by the time you sat out drinking, it was already gone. Drinking it, yeah, we're drinking it. We finish it. By the way, it's horrible. It's the most gross thing ever in your entire life that you will ever consume, unless that unless you consume other things that are grosser. But um, that we finish drinking it and we feel it coming on. Oh, I, I see what you're saying. You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit you before you sat down. I get you. But I, then, I guess you're good. <laughs> we sit down and uh, put on a little Miles Davis, and we're we're in there. And Miles is, he's speaking to us and that's cool and every, but we had planned to, uh, you know, go to the park and do a big hike in the woods, mm -hmm. even go on a run. We were like, yo, let's try and work out while we're on this. Oh, no. crazy. <laughs> and so we open up the garage and it's like a movie. We open up the garage and the sun from the sun starts shining through the garage and it hits my eyes and I'm blind for a second. <laughs> and then we come out and I'm in Narnia. 
and I'm like, oh shit. And uh, everything is on saturation 100%. And I look down on the concrete. Mind you, we're just in a suburban, uh, mundane Ohio neighborhood, lower middle class, mundane as it gets which is actually extremely dystopian when you start thinking about that as you're walking through the neighborhood and you see the little AT&T truck and the little flower truck and you're like, whoa, this is all like a microcosm of just something that's greater and more mundane, which I hate thinking about, unfortunately. Well, it could be not mundane. It's just a perspective issue. That's I all. know, and I, I understand that now, but in that moment... and well, Maybe and you're just having a low-vibe trip at that, that moment. You know, sometimes at that moment. I'm just low-vibing, yeah. Only at that moment, though. Because it was still well, a lot of times I'm just thinking about death, you know, and sometimes, yeah, like, yeah. okay, I'm living this mundane life and I'm going to die. And it's kind of depressing sometimes to think like that. But uh, that's part of the trip, man. That's more the constant dance of immortality. Yeah. And, but then we were walking to the park and everything was like, oh my God, every single piece of every molecule was moving slash dancing slash saturated. And I looked down on the ground. I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do this right now. But, you know, we had to. So we're on, we're on the walk to the park and then we do this big hike and it's super spiritual and I feel like I'm going to die. And I'm like, how much water do I need? I don't know if I'm dehydrated or not, blah, 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 blah. Let's <laughs> yeah. get out of the forest. And then we get out of the forest and the light shines on us like God. And then we make it to the top of this hill and we're just sitting on this bench looking over the city of Cincinnati to an extent in the wilderness. And I just start sobbing, of course. And it's great and it's amazing. And, um, you know, to cap it all off, we went to Buffalo Wild Wings at the very end of the night. <laughs> now, did now how much did you learn? Now, did how much communication did you have with the mushroom? Do you think, or was it just like you exploring the fact that you were just that blown out? Honestly, I feel like it was more of an exploring the fact that I was that blown out. One thing that I will say that was very, very interesting that I had not experienced before is that we were at one point throwing the frisbee and back and forth to each other, but then we stopped. And we were, you know, probably 40 yards apart, something like that. And we stopped and we aligned our eyes and he, his whole body disappeared for me. And he became a diamond speck in my line of sight. And I became a diamond speck in his line of sight. And, uh, I was like, whoa, dude, you're, you're, I'm, uh, it's like if you put like a weird filter on like photo booth or something where it like messes with the image he just became this weird spec but that was crazy um but again not really speaking to me necessarily i'm not hearing i'm not necessarily feeling like i'm hearing a voice but the whole point of this was that i've also done like you know four five six and they haven't been like that or i've done 1.75 and i'm like oh man i'm in a claymation right now and this is messed up yeah but well, uh, you know, uh, one, I have another theory about tripping, which is this, the more still you are, the more the inner world, the inner thing can happen versus like, for example, when you're tripping, whether it's LSD or mushrooms, I think in your outside running around or even inside trying to do something that's intensive physically or something to do with the external world, even mentally, the, the, the trip is working really hard to keep that together. And so it almost feels like you're not even tripping sometimes because mm. you're trying so hard to maintain this physical world. Whereas if you would just let go and give into the psychedelic, hold on, I got a thing popping up here. Um, if you just give into the psychedelic experience and, and, and w- which is why floating is so important to help you relax. Like when you go out and trip and, and, and roll around in the grass and hang out with your friends, that's cool and all, 
But this is what this is a perfect example of what I mean by communication with the mushroom, where you can have this extreme silence and darkness, where you're there's no effort to create the external yeah. world. Your mind is putting it forth no more effort to create sunshine or to, to communicate with your friend or uh, you know to even move your muscles around. You're just completely so you're, the body. I mean, it's a it's a launch pad for out of body experiences. If you know how to do that. Um, guaranteed. Now, I'm not an expert in that, so I can't sit here and tell you how to do it. But um, I think part of my problem is I smoke too much weed a lot of times to um, get in those special spaces where I'm not just going to pass out because I think sure. there's a line with meditation and relaxation and astral projecting and, and, and your body starts to shake and stuff. It's either you either pass yeah. out or you freak out before you actually uh, fly out. I will say so, that uh, weed, when I was going through like intense periods of meditation where I was doing it all the time, actually uh, completely added to it sometimes. Where oh, I, no, that's the thing. You were on the good end of it, whereas I'm like the chronic user who is uh, using it to get to baseline in the morning, like a cup of coffee, sure. and I'm not really getting stoned like you are. And I, Where I got friends that don't smoke it at all, that's like one hit, and they're good for the next month. Yeah. And they'll be that stoned off it, and that's like oh, I'm almost jealous. It's but you know they don't, but they're not enjoying it every day. So there's a balance. It's like Terrence McKenna. He always he he's a huge marijuana proponent. He was yeah. almost always stoned. Yeah. He wishes he could. He always talked about how he wishes he would uh, have had consumed less cannabis. And sometimes I feel that way. But again, uh, for me personally, it's been uh, one thing on the level of physicality that has made my life possible to even get through. Uh, without using pharmaceuticals or depending on anything but i that's literally all i've depended on to just survive physically through pain and then there's the obviously the the psychological aspects of it and the metaphysical uh just loosening up the mind and stuff so i just enjoy it and it's a certain vibe um and i was gonna say one more thing i f oh, kind yeah, of forgot yeah. uh regarding the controlling of the experience from the uh opposite end regarding dmt I went through a point where I was like, wow, am I not like breaking through anymore? Cause I felt like I couldn't really break through per, per se, like still have an experience to some extent or even just have a very light experience and think that, wow, I should have had more. But honestly, I think it was just me on that point. But, um, the thought ran through my head. Oh man, am I already dead or something like that to where, it's not working or I'm in some sort of situation where it's blocked for some specific reason. And the reason that I thought that is because I, we're going to go to another point of it and we're just really going out on all this, just being open about it. I had an LSD experience where I witnessed to some extent this pure synchronicity vision in my head where essentially I died. I was hit by a bus. And in that moment, that that synchronicity, like it's like a, a school bell hit. It's like, ding, like where it just happened. And I saw everything in my head, but I saw this timeline type circle thing. And I just immediately, when that happened, when the bus hit, I just jumped to the next timeline. And so it's like it didn't happen at all. And from that, I've literally never been able to, to shake that. Not that it makes me feel bad or anything like that, but the profoundness of that experience and the clear image that I have in my head and still do, do to this day, the memory of it, 
of jumping this timeline and understanding that it did not even affect me and I just continue to move on. I feel like that's happened to me many times where I've been in accidents and there's the version of me that died and then there's the part that consciously found another way out into another side reality where this is a body for me and my, or I can just my consciousness in the multiverse of infinite realities right when I get into these car accidents or things happen to me I'm through grace right not of any doing of my own but through grace I'm able to find these realities these grace points where I'm in that quantum side universe where it's the best possible scenario and it actually benefits me now to be, you know, in a situation I didn't ask for, but through grace, I'll be able to see the silver lining, which is actually better than anything I could have done myself. And so that's, that's a high level spiritual dance there, but uh, you get it, you reach a certain level of stillness and understanding you grasp, you no, you don't even grasp them. You embody them and you start, planting seeds in other people and you start to see the forest grow. And then, you know, yeah. it, 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 there's all little things along the spiritual path that make you want to go at it more, especially in the beginning when you're having all these revelations in the float tank with meditation or you're doing breathing techniques and, Oh, the next thing you know, I'm floating out of my body or a perfect example for, for me is uh, one of the initial experiences was I was laying in the tank and um, uh, you know, you don't know where the body ends or begins. If your uh, eyes are open or closed out the time and you're just laying there and I could hear the sound of it sounded like a buzz saw. I didn't know what it was really, but it, it, it sounded unnatural. And I just laid there in the tank. And then I finally figured out what it was. And it was me snoring. So <laughs> I was I was fully aware outside of my body in a way in this tank, listening to my body uh, snore. So my body was asleep, but my awareness was fully there. And at that moment, you know, you at that moment, you have these huge shifts. You go from living one state of mind and one belief system to, holy crap, I'm not my mind and body. It's really true. Uh, I just proved it uh, without a shadow of a doubt. I don't need to read it in a book. I just experienced in a float tank for 50 bucks. And, uh, and I'm not going to say that. I'm not saying that you're going to get there every time. And, and it may not happen the first time. It didn't. That wasn't the first experience for me. Mine was more like I'm going down the drain. And that was cool. But you know, zero gravity and, and darkness. And just, you know, uh, initially for me, I didn't think I was going to be able to do 60 minutes in a float tank, being able to be still for that long. I mean, the first 20 minutes was me like, what am I doing here? Yeah. Uh, I'm, you know, you're naked, you're laying there, you're at the mercy of your mind and uh, what's going to pop up. And luckily I'm okay, but I'll, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a novel experience that you're not going to experience even on drugs. And that's why I encourage it also. It's just, Hey, go for the novel experience of it's like, you know, not jumping out of a plane, but you know, it's just as novel as that. You're not going to be able to do it uh, or experience it any other way, but going out and actually jumping in the float tank. So, I mean, I could literally talk about it all day long. That's all I do. Um, and a real quick, I'm going to go to the bathroom. You guys keep talking. I'll be right back. All right. Back. It's like a Joe Rogan episode. I'll be right back. <laughs> you got to go to the bathroom. I got to go a little bit. So what are you guys drinking there? What What's the drinks tonight? What is the green thing well, you got there? That is a great question. And um, I want to say two things. Number one, these are Eighth Wonder beers. Eighth Wonder Brewery is a venue we play at every week. Eighth Wonder Brewery uh, at 2202 Dallas Street, I believe. That is the address. Check us out every Thursday, 7 to 9 Delicious beers, um, and the other thing I was going to say, if I could take a second. Oh, yeah, anything you want to say? 
Um, Epic Water Filters. Epic Water Filters is a godsend because it's one of the few filters that actually filters out all of the essential impurities that you really do not want in your water. And the filters come in many forms. You can just get the filter or you can get a water bottle with the filter in it in a variety of other situations. And we highly suggest you do that because truly... I mean, there's chemicals in our water that the United Nations won't even touch. That's saying a lot. And so use promo code Houston Ensemble for 20% off. I really, really encourage you guys doing that. And now I want to ask you a question. So I've been titillating with the idea that um, maybe that there's actually a lot of scientific data on the interdimensional entities that we've been talking about. There's probably more, um, like, look, we're a couple of guys, okay? We're a couple of guys, and we're talking about entities that exist in other realms, right? Right. And I I just, I, I know from what we've already seen with the outing of the um, Bohemian Grove, uh, we already know what the outing of the skull and bones activities and and a variety of other rituals, including the satanic church, that there's a lot of use and there's a, of of antigens, but also ritual, ritualistic use of antigens to speak to entities. And uh, so now I'm uh, it's it's like I'm beginning to feel that. We're just like the retailers of this whole experience. We're we're seeing a small part of it, and 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 I know that you believe that there's entities, and I also believe that there's entities. But I wonder about the nefarious circumstances in which some people might think that, oh well, these entities actually want me to do this. These entities want me to do that. Well, that's you know, that's there's a few things going on here. So I think the entities exist on the spectrum of, you know, high and low vibration. And when you've got the elites that are communicating with whatever they think it is, I believe it is a lower dimensional entity or some kind of extraterrestrial passing itself off as some kind of ancient God. And these aliens, if you get into it, they like, they like adrenochrome as well. They like to harvest humans for their uh, adrenochrome, just like the people do. There's something about adrenochrome that that even aliens want to drink. So uh, that's part of the deal. Uh, welcome back, by the way. You got new glasses there, it looks like. Dang, you noticed. I was hoping oh, that yeah. I could do a kind of timeline switch on you. No, well, you know, that's what I do with people, actually. You know, so that's funny you do that because people will get in the float tank, and I will wear a, a, a really interesting outfit like this. So they really, you know, they'll kind of like dress it, 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 notice it, exactly. And then they'll get out of the tank, and I will completely change shit around. <laughs> completely change my outfit like almost the exact opposite they have to notice it and some people a won't even notice or and then it, but then there's people that obviously are like wow like what happened like well, you're wearing another shirt right i'm like what are you talking about i don't fuck with them. i'm like nope i was not wearing this shirt you're crazy that woman. so funny but yeah no the aliens man the aliens uh what, what was the question before that what, what were we talking uh, about communication like various oh yeah yeah yeah. They're, yeah they exist on all different levels i you know like so for example an alien and a high level is an angel, right? An extraterrestrial on a very high spectrum of being is an angel, right? Whereas a very low level would be a demon. So I think uh, you've got entities masquerading themselves off as ancient gods. 
uh, like Ball and uh, Lucifer or whatever you want to call them. And these aliens, they like they like human sacrifice. And if you look at human sacrifice throughout history, they're doing these to gods. And maybe these are just aliens because again if you get if you get in if you really go deep into the alien stuff the majestic 12 stuff it's about um not only human harvesting for the humans but human harvesting for it's an intergalactic human uh harvesting thing if you if you go deep down the yeah. rabbit hole deep enough that's the aliens also are here to harvest us for our uh, have uh you adrenalized ever, adrenalized blood have you ever uh, had a 20 and back you know, uh, I think uh, sometimes I think I might have been in that program, but I've never been able to access any memories to, to prove it otherwise. But are, are we referring to the program where they took people to Mars for 20 years yeah. and then brought them back and erased yeah, their memories? Yeah, yeah. So have yeah. you, are you a 20 and back member? No, 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 no. Okay. I'm, I'm upper caste. No, I'm kidding. Oh, okay. <laughs> but you're, I, reptil you're reptilian then. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, no, I'm a Nordic actually. I'm Are you tall? Wait, no, that doesn't work. Cause I'm actually five. I'm like five, seven. I'm six, five. I heard you say that one time, but the weird thing is I can't picture you being that tall just from your face. Well, that's what I do. If it's another thing I do, I, I always fuck with people. I'll, I'll, I'm always sitting down and then I will. It's uh, so when tall. I, when the time is right, I set the, I spring the trap and I stand up and I'm like, caught you bitch. <laughs> Six, I'm um, six five. Stand, stand right next to him. <laughs> exactly. The trap um, is set. Yeah. Uh, 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 oh, hold on. It was right there. I was going to say it. Hold on. Mm. I lost it. It's okay. I lost it. So you got David Icke coming on the show? Good. I was yeah. going to mention that too because we were talking See? about reptilians. Yeah, yeah. He's apparently coming on here. So, um, dude, that's a huge get. How did that happen? I don't know. I feel like the way that this podcast works, um, and you're included in it because we're all we're all family to an extent here. Well, yeah, we're all one. Yeah, we're all one. Um, I, I just ask. I literally just go and ask. And all right, that's. There you go. Oh, Lord have mercy. Anyway, we just ask. I just ask. I just email. No, them. I I think that's uh. And if they're in my heart, that's it's, inspiring it's a heart, because it's a there's a lot thing. of people. Yeah, there's a lot of people that I want to ask that I'm like, eh, they might be like, fuck off. So it's just easier I, not to ask. But uh, no, no, it's totally inspiring, actually. I needed to hear that from you. So thanks. I have a feeling, though, that if you asked anybody and you said you're you. Right, but that's what a, you think. But, you know, it's yeah, you're still – everybody feels like uh, they're they're faking it, I think. Most people do. Unless they're a complete psycho, they, they feel like they're unworthy and they're faking it and they're going to get a no. I mean, most people, I think, I feel are like that. And so even in, even if you think, oh, he's, that person is famous or he knows this person or he's better than me or he's more talented or – no, it's not necessarily the case because then that other person might be thinking the same thing, like they're unworthy and that person – so no, it's very inspiring to hear you say that, and you know, you all, hey, you get a no, you get a no, but at least you ask. Right. See, it's interesting totally. you say that. I'm not with women. I will totally have that same philosophy. I don't give a shit how many times I'm shot down because I, I'm in the same position I started in. If I get the no, so it doesn't True. matter to me if the girl rejects me. If she says yes, then I, I've gained something, and it didn't cost me anything. But if she says no, I'm in the same position I started in. Well, maybe she's like, well, this fucking loser likes me now, and now I have to avoid him forever. 
but most of the time it's you're going to go for it and you're going to hopefully you're going for almost a confirmed uh easy victory you're not going to put yourself in a position where you're going to get shot down and look like a fool tell but us about a, tell us about your love life what is it like What's my love on? life uh right now is because of the nature of how i live doesn't i don't really have a a serious girlfriend um i have somebody i'm talking to and i uh, we hang out and stuff but uh hmm. in terms of i i've been out of a serious relationship now for a few years and i've been like i said living here at this float center for the past two years now um just make trying to make it great here for people mm-hmm. and uh I, you know put my life back together because the previous relationship was that dark night of the soul relationship for me and I learned a lot about that and myself and I needed to work on myself and figure out why I attracted what I attracted before right. I unconsciously went out and did it again. But luckily for me, and it's usually the case for most people, they get burned so bad that they wake up and then they learn why they got burned so bad or how they destroyed their life or why this woman wrecked their situation and gutted them. Uh, and then you hopefully won't repeat it. But what you do see in unconscious people's lives is, and this is happening to me, um, they'll start, they'll, they'll date somebody and then it won't work out and they'll go unconsciously move on to the next thing. And it's, they don't realize it, but it's a bigger version of the same thing. A lot of the time, a lot of the same elements that they unconsciously didn't work out or understand or, or heal or pick up on repeating the same person, uh, same kind of a person, but at a bigger level. And it keeps going on and going on until you keep getting slapped, kicked, uh, 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 meta, you know, like not uh, metaphorically, not literally sometimes, or sometimes literally you have yeah. an abusive person that's going to do that to you. But Battered that's the universe. Husband. That's the universe uh, reaching out through another person to say, wake up. And yeah. one of the revelations of the mushrooms for me when I was in a bad spot trying to figure out why I attracted the relationship was, the mushroom was basically said, you're attracting into your life um, externally in form in a person, how you feel about yourself internally. And that said a lot about the person I was with at the time because I was not in the best relationship. And I was, uh, in a lot of ways, I was able to make direct corollaries to my internal situation manifesting in this person externally. And it's almost a guarantee for everybody else. I mean, it's a guarantee. You, you attract what you are, your vibe attracts your tribe. And the person you're going to let into your holy of holies, your most intimate space, uh, i.e. a relationship, uh, usually are going to be the most powerful teachers you can attract. So that's why I tread with caution. Now, this, to go back to the initial question of why or what was my relationship, I'm a high standards, looking for the right thing, and uh, don't want to get caught uh, in a trap with somebody who doesn't know what they want. So that means I have to polish my own mirror to attract somebody who's also. So, you know, a lot of the people I'm attracting right now are in that same position of working on their lives, coming out of the dark night of the soul. Mm. But I, you know, because here's the other thing. So not only do I attract people on my level of like spiritual searching and vibration, but unfortunately or fortunately, because I emit a certain light, everything's mm-hmm. attracted to the light, not just people on my level, but people that are not to say beneath me, but people, I guess, who are, are, are relatively speaking unconscious. And so they are blindly going towards that light that you're emitting. And so sometimes when I'm sending out a uh, feeling of God is in you and you're in my space of loving oneness and non-judgment, people that have never felt that before, it can be overwhelming to be in a space where you, I'm not looking at you 
from a judgment or a, a, you know a duality perspective but you're in my space of oneness and that can be overwhelming for people to the point where they think I have feelings for them so mm-hmm. it's this very careful line I have to walk of I want to people and you know but i don't touch or get too intimate uh, but i definitely even just with words or looking someone in the eyes it can be overwhelming now the guy that preceded me here before we bought this place he was a hugger he'd hug everybody that walked through the door i'm not like that um but uh, it can be overwhelming and so no i don't i'm not in a relationship right now a, a, a committed serious one and i'm still doing the work internally to manifest externally something that I would really risk total destruction on again. Because I think yeah. with me, that would be the worry is I'm much better off right now alone, going at the speed of my own desires and things I need to do. For, if you're not yoked evenly with the right person, I mean, a lot of times it's this happening. It's like two people going in the yeah. opposite direction. You need to be going in the same direction. The ships need to sail in the same direction. Yeah. And again, this comes from consciousness, conscious work, from mushrooms, floating, meditation, yoga, things that bring you into the present moment uh, are going to help wake you up. And floating, I think, at the top of the list in terms of things that you can do that are legal, that make you feel good. It's not going to, there's no downside to it. Like you take a psychedelic, there's a downside a lot of times with LSD. You're not going to feel good for a day or two afterwards. You're going to be blown out because your brain has been lit up for 12 hours. You, there's no downside to floating, uh, except for maybe if you're not uh, in the, in the, you know, swimming in the money like Scrooge McDuck. It's not like the most expensive thing. Like, for example, it's all relative. A lot of cryotherapy sessions, they're three minutes long, but they're the same price as a lot of times a 60 minute float session. Right, or you go for a meal. You can have one meal. That meal can last you a half hour, an hour. Uh, I don't know if you're going to count shitting it out too, but you, you can have a meal, and that could be a sixty-dollar meal. It all depends on where you want to put your money. Uh, here's a, another example. Oh, uh, your bar tab, hundred bucks, sixty bucks. You could have floated. Instead of uh, putting uh, spiritual poison in your body, you could be doing the opposite. So it, it's where your priority priorities are at. It's always the people who need to float the most are the ones that aren't going to do it. The people who have no time, the people who are in the worst shape. Um, the only people I wouldn't recommend float, uh, at least on my time, is we discourage people who can't get in out of the tank uh, unless they bring somebody. But aside from that, uh, because sometimes some of these tanks uh, and some of these people, I mean, we've I put a 500 pounder in the tank, um, but it was not easy for them to get out. So. Um, but big people will fit. I'm wow. six foot five. I'm not, I'm about like 175 pounds. So I'm not like a huge person, but uh, lengthwise, you can put people up to seven feet. And I, like I said, close to 500 pounds. Uh, the, really the problem with the 500 pounder is water displacement. You know what I mean? So oh, wow. uh, they get in and the water level goes up, you know, uh, the, the water level in the tanks only t- like 10 to 12 inches. So yeah. here's the other thing. You get somebody fat enough in the tank, they're going to rub the bottom. Even if the tank, oh, even, right. even if the tank's done correctly, it's just, you're just so you if you're a ball you know versus a straight line a plank versus a ball i mean that's the form of your body it sometimes it rubs and so i'm always having to make sure these tanks are uh ready to go for every body type and so if you come float where i am and i'm not going to give it out because i like people to do the homework and i also don't like to just give it out because i took my instagram down for a few days the other day and i had people calling me up saying hey where'd you go calling my business which is funny and cool but um that's what i I did though was that you (laughs) was that you that called well are you referring to one you said people are you referring to one or multiple well i had lots of people concerned over different channels but yeah i had one specifically was that you that did you call the line well that was me yeah i called totals and 
Wait. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I've uh, had other people call, too. Okay, good. Well, I just called you because I was like, damn, I know he probably gets one million messages oh, on, Snap, what on Instagram. That's what it was, too. He needed to find out about the show, I think, right? But I, I, yeah, I was just making yeah. – I just wanted to make sure I knew where to send you the link to. Uh, That would be good for you. No, no, it's all good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I promise, like, that – I just saw it, like, one time in the past or something, and it – it's just not going to leave my memory. And, you know, I'm a industrious person and I'll be like, well, I bet I will call the float center. <laughs> oh, you know, I, listen, I like your, I like your, uh, um, like de- asking the, you know, what do they call it? Uh, gumption, not gumption, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, to go out there and ask the interview and to even to get rejected. That's cool. Cause now, yeah, you can, you can talk to David Ike and uh, we talked now and I try to say yes to as many people as I can. Uh, because it's the same thing. Yeah, pay it forward, and you want people to say yes to you, so you got to say yeah. yes to them. And but sadly, we—I mean, we're not really like—it's not like we're personalities per se. But we haven't been asked to do any podcast. But I would love to do other podcasts, and we were going to do one, but for some reason, it just fell through. And I was like, man, you're in Houston. Can we just do it in person? Like, we really don't actually love the Zoom podcast per se, just because. This is going well because I think our Wi-Fi is very good. But if you don't have great Wi-Fi, man, it makes it hard on the discussion. Yeah. Well, I think it, if I had one tip in terms of getting people to want to interview you, you would. You, I need to know, like, you need to know, like, a more specific format. I don't know what you, what the, what, like, just offhand, you know what I mean? Not doing yeah. a deep dive on what you do. I don't know what the format or the theme of the show is, like, what kind of guests you normally have. Mine is kind of that way too, but mine is there's a, there's a broad. If you know the if you know the Instagram, you know it's psychedelics. You know it's um, meme talk and whatever whatever I'm doing on the page. But uh, and maybe this is advice to me too. But I'm again I'm not trying to. I don't I, I don't want to even do anything with this anymore. Sometimes I just want to just walk away and say you know what, uh, like I want to interview Hamilton Morris. But there's a million Hamilton Morris interviews. I don't need to. Do, why do I need to do that? Yeah. Uh, there's I I could talk about. Well, but then I think, okay, you know what, though? There are not anybody living at a float center like me yeah. doing psychedelics, helping people do that, and uh, being honest about it, giving a unique experience. So, um, Also, like, I w- you made a good point there. It's actually not – we're, from my perspective, I'll speak for me, not really doing it for other people necessarily. That's part of it, especially interviewing. That's like, why I keep doing it. I keep doing it for me because yeah. I don't have advertising. I don't have yeah. – uh, I'm not trying to like get a sponsor or anything. Uh, if anything, I'm trying to get people to give me free floats so I can give them to my guests. But um, it's all about seeing how far I could take it. And again, one thing I've learned with psychedelics and the nature of reality is if you have a little string and you keep pulling at it, things will keep happening. So that's uh, totally yeah, you accurate. Keep, you, and, and so you, you interview me and you, David Icke, and then who else could you interview next, right? Based on that. So I wouldn't even worry right. about what you're, you're, I would be, I wouldn't worry about interviewing people. If I were you, I would worry about, uh, or being interviewed. I would worry about interviewing just better guests. Yeah. And by, no, and by virtue of you, uh, interviewing better guests, you're just known as a personality. Totally. And then by, and by being virtue of a personality, you, then people want to interview you, but if it, you know, play to your strengths. And I understand what you're saying from like a third person perspective. Our, our, uh, 
yeah, uh, maybe channel identity could be considered a little bit amorphous because it is in the sense that actually we started the Houston Ensemble as a band. Well, that's the thing. I, I th- That was what threw me off initially was I'm like, what is this ensemble stuff? Is this like a jazz band? What is this? And so I looked at it at first and I started right. looking at the videos, uh, the earlier videos, and it, that seemed to be like maybe you had switched formats halfway through and now you're at this new format, which is whatever you're doing now. Well, we've been going hard on the podcast. There's no doubt about that. We do have a band that plays every day here in okay. Houston. Like, I just think maybe the, maybe the name was confusing at first. If uh, if you were us, what would you exactly do? If I were you, what I exactly do? Mm-hmm. It looks like you're already ahead of me in a lot of ways with your studio setup and all. But uh, if I were you, what would I do? I think it's always um, just get great guests. Yeah, well, yeah I would, but, your, your, but your even for the identity. Is, uh, well, I would just here's what I would do if I were you actually would just relax more. And by virtue of relaxing more, everything else in your life as a byproduct of the relaxing will be better. You're more focused, you're sharper, you can interview better, you can, you know, you just, everything is better. But in terms of the podcast, you want specific information. I, he's right, I just gave it to you. You played your strengths. Your strengths, uh, at least from uh, first encounter is what you told me, you're good at uh, ballsy asking people for interviews. And then yeah, you, you're, you're interviewing them. So play to that. And then as you navigate these interviews, you learn what you need, where your weaknesses are and where your strengths are. And that's been the case for me. And you get bolder, you get stronger, you get better. You come up with more ideas. You find out what works. You find out what your audience likes, doesn't like. Yeah. Be open to criticism. You are, which is cool. So I'm I'm the same way. Um, And that's the good thing about having a podcast where right now I don't have any sponsors or anything. I can do anything I want. I can add sound effects. I can take the sound effects away. I can do three episodes in a row of me talking if I want. I was trying to do a format of one week me and one week just me talking for an hour and then the next week a guest. But life doesn't always work out like that. Initially, the first year of me trying to do the podcast was like, you know what? I only want to interview people if they've done floating. That's it. It's float universe and that's how it should be. But I had a lot of people that had floated wouldn't want to do the interview or I couldn't get people in the float tank that I wanted to interview. And so it was like, I'm never going to get this done unless I just start going at it. And so you just, you say, fuck it. You grow where you're planted. You work with what you got and you go from there and you've already got a great setup and you've, you've got, wow, if you really got David Ike lined up, then really, I mean, uh, balls in your court to drop, you know, to, to fuck up and lose. So, uh, (laughs) you won't, but I'm just saying, you know what I mean? Like, uh, that's pretty, that's a pretty big get. So, um, if I were you just be, be, have lots of questions. Don't, you don't have lots of dead airspace. Not that you are now, but I'm just saying like, yeah, the best questions possible, like do as much research as you can before you interview them and uh, try to ask questions that nobody's ever asked. One thing that I, this is not a, I don't know if anybody's ever asked this, but I haven't heard this, um, from my listening to you. I've just been curious about this personally. How did you come to own this float center? Okay, that's a great story. So it's a perfect example of you don't need anything in life that, you know, when it's time, you will manifest what you need and God will take care of the rest. So how did I get this float center in particular? For for starters, I'm a sweat equity partner. So uh, that means I work from my part of the ownership. I also get paid as well, but um, I'm also a sweat equity partner. But going back originally, so I've been floating at this place now. It's been around six years its entirety. And Long story short, over the past, well, before we took over, over the past last part of the thing, it started to go down in quality. They didn't take care of the place and it suffered. 
it was on the guy needed to get rid of the tanks and he he's like hey man i know you know people that float and you can help me sell these tanks i'll give you a cut of the action so i reached out to my friend who used to float here with me and she got me into floating here and i said hey you better go float for the last time they're going to shut the doors uh they're getting rid of the tanks they're they got to shut down the guy's over it and uh they don't want to do it anymore and she's like well how much are they selling it for uh it was a great price that was the other thing it, I, I didn't have the money at the time but um it was a price that we couldn't refuse and it included everything the clientele the, the this is a rental the, the building but everything else the tanks all that uh an offer we couldn't refuse really so uh, but it only could be done if I lived here, boots on the ground every day, turned around everything that was wrong with it because there was a, a whole bunch of problems, both uh, cosmetically and in terms of like, you know, bad reviews, service, stuff like that. So boots on the ground, turn it around. And that's what I've been doing here now and really learning the nuances of floating, what makes a great float. Um, you come here, you're going to get the owner experience. You're going to get the float universe experience. You're going to get somebody who's obsessed with it. So you're not going to get somebody who's dicking off with their $8 and 75 cents an hour looking on their phone about what's happening after they get off work. You get to float with me. You get the best, best I can get it, the tank and the experience from beginning to end. And uh, I'm hold, holding that space, hopefully, where you can reach some enlightenment level plateau while you're here as well. And that does happen from time to time where people have a powerful experience and they're like oh i felt like i was just doing dmt what were you doing and i'm just outside the tank smoking weed in the in the back alley um you know what i mean letting them do their thing but um uh, so how did i uh, so i manifested it through putting years of uh, energy in terms of helping this place while, while i was a client and um you know it's like who's the rightful owner it's like put the baby in the, who, who who's going to split the baby in half no no we're going to just let the baby we're going to let the baby be and I'm a, I'm the rightful owner. I'm the rightful caretaker. The universe has decided, I guess for now. And so I'm living here and I'm giving the most spectacular floats. I'd say 99.9% .9 of the time, it's a great float. It's a, it's a 9.9 .9 or above. And that's not, not even bragging. Um, and then I see other people float uh, and it's not as good. So my goal here is when you come to float, you leave here, if you, I never see you again, that you know what floating's about, you got your money's worth, and you would go do it again somewhere else. It's not even about you coming back here. It's about me getting floating to the point where it reaches uh, with people like Joe Rogan already doing it. But there's still a lot of people that don't know anything about floating at all. Not even, never heard of it. So that's why I'm still doing it. And the passion, it's helped me. It's helped so many other people. And so my friend ended up, ended up putting out the cash. I moved in, and over the past few years, uh, and the coronavirus stepped in last year and shut us down. And it actually, again, everything's silver linings. It gave us an opportunity to do things we wouldn't be able to do otherwise, because how can you take down a whole room, pull a tank out for a month and a half and redo a room and expect to have people float in the other room? So the state shutting us down for a month and a half was a blessing that, uh, you know, so we've been able to retool everything here, make it better than it ever was. And, um, I basically manifested a float center for free, right? Because I look at, I look at everything like I'm going to die one day. Nothing is mine. It doesn't really matter what I own. And so the fact that I have manifested this, and here's the great thing, because I'm the sweat equity, I don't have to deal with, I told her, I told my business partner, I said, look, I will do, we will use, we will leverage my uh, stuff online. We will, my, my personality, I will run the show here. I know everything there is to know about floating. You pay the bills, you write the checks. And you do all the, the lawyer stuff because she's a lawyer. 
and uh, mm. and that's what we've been doing. So I have manifested this experience of floating every day for free, giving the opportunity uh, to many of my friends. Many of the people on the account have come here and floated for free. I had somebody come in the other day off the account. They floated for free. So I've been able to not only give myself that experience now for two years, float as many people possible. We're starting to make money. Um, I wouldn't recommend people who are trying to get rich to get into this, um, but the payoff is way more than money for me. So, and uh, so yeah, I've manifested this experience with nothing. And so it's possible anybody who's out there down in their luck, because this was, I was living with my parents at the time, post this relationship that gutted me. I was really trying to put my life back together. I was trying in my own means to, to find people who had money. I was trying on my own to manifest my own float center, didn't knowing that this other thing was going to happen. So uh, through the grace of whatever you want to call it, God, I'm here running the show, giving the best floats possible uh, with zero effort. Like the true Taoist Wu Wei thing has happened to me of just showing up and being present and seeing what the universe has next for me. Uh, and the good thing about being in such a elevated space is the desires are minimal. So it's like, it's easy to be more present when you don't have as many desires, you know, pulling you outward towards, oh, I need to do this or that to create this or that scenario. So yeah, that's, an, uh, I manifested it out of nowhere. And uh, I have a great business partner who is even more enlightened than I could ever imagine. So it's pure grace. Yeah. I was, you know, this kind of goes against what you just said, but huh. just because I'm curious do you have a, a vision of where you want to be in say like 30 years or 20 years? Well, or this like is what's what interesting. I, I, I kind of do sometimes and I kind of don't meaning. Okay. For example, five years ago I was a wedding photographer and I was traveling across the country doing Indian weddings and I had Whoa. never heard of floating barely at all. I mean, I, I might've heard about it a little bit in the nineties when it was just John Lilly, literally. And then, you know, Hamilton Morris and then Joe Rogan, got us back into it here not too long ago that's what got me into it was the hamilton one so um what was the question i forgot oh, oh what oh 20 what, 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 years, yeah 20 years from now so i didn't expect that you know there's certain things sometimes in life where you walk through a door of experience of something happening to you and then you're going towards that and you've completely changed your mind on how you see life and that was how floating was for me the day before i floated i had my life completely pegged in one direction it's going to go this way i want it to go this way and that, you know, my ego has certain desires and it wanted it. And then it experienced the bliss of floating. And there, I, I mean, I think I must've let go of a lot of stuff that first float because I was able to change direction really fast and drop a lot of things. And it, it was just pure magic. So I do have visions. I, I wanted to do putting these in airports, but the problem with airports is it's a lot of upfront cost. It's hard to get in big airports. And you need to make them soundproof, which is also its own expense. So I wanted to franchise these things, but two years on the ground here now, and a lot of it was rebuilding. And then we had the coronavirus economy for a year, which was shitty. Even in Florida, it was tough, but we survived by virtue of the fact that I'm here, uh, living here, taking almost a pay cut to do it, but we're, we're the only ones surviving. The other float centers I've watched over the past year in 2020, I can't even probably maybe more than 20 float centers across the country either shut down or change hands. And there's been one in town here in Orlando that shut down. So I have these visions sometimes that maybe I'll end up buying some of these float centers if we're successful and these people want to get out and we'll just franchise that way. Or there's the, th you know, the other variable of, you know, I could die tomorrow or another 
thing could come into my life where I'm like, oh, I want to do this now. But as of now, floating and owning a float center is owning a float center is great for a few reasons. Because obviously, if you want to float, I don't recommend putting them in your house. I'm just gonna be honest with you. Unless you're rich, unless you have like a second little room to put them in, like a garage outside of your house, the humidity and the salt everywhere all the time, it's in the air, the, the, the constant maintenance, you can't shut them down. If you turn your tank off at night, the water will get cold and eventually the salt will crystallize and seize the motor and the pipes and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So they're constant upkeep. And if you're not going to use them all the time or, or, or you don't have a room or somebody to take care of it and keep it outside of your main living space, it's a pain in the ass. So uh, I'm going to continue to do this because I just like floating and it really works. And I've helped so many people now. I've planted so many seeds over the past two years. I've got so many people excited that want to build their own float centers that anything could happen. I've opened up so many possibilities over the past two years just by giving, 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 giving. Um, my time, my energy, and my passion has helped fuel it, of course. Um, I think I would probably do this almost for free, which is basically what I'm doing. Just enough to smoke weed and eat and enough money for some psychedelics from time to time. But a lot of times the psychedelics are gift from people. I don't have to, I don't, I don't really have to wait too long to manifest things, especially if they're within the realm of possibility. That's a good tip for people, by the way, who want to manifest in their life. It's manifesting is easily to, easy to do, but it's all about believability, possibility. And uh, is it is it possible that whatever you want to manifest is, is within the next logical few steps you could take? It's, you know, yeah. it's like, I want to be a billionaire. Well, there's a lot of ways to get there, but it's there's almost no way except for winning the lottery or something to get there immediately as a manifestation. So manifestation has to play within the, the limits of reality to a degree. But uh, at the lower level of manifestation, like manifesting quarters and stuff and, you know, like parking spaces, it's very easy to do. And it's also about your believability, how much electromagnetic energy in your heart and mind like you can you can you picture it yes but how much electromagnetic energy of i believe i'm worthy or i have the possibility or the means to attract a billion dollars right maybe maybe ten dollars that's easy to do you can attract the possibility of earning ten dollars but so manifestation a lot of times is about the believability of you being able to do it as the next possible step so you know those little simple law of attraction i don't know if you do yeah. that kind of stuff on that yeah channel. totally no, a hundred percent. Another thing that I think, um, there's this amazing channel on YouTube called bright insight. And he talks all about the pyramids and he's on this, you know, how are they actually made? And he goes really deep into all of it. And he's so cool. And he was in the army and he did all this stuff. And he's just like, I love the pyramids so much. And he's been there recently, went to Egypt like last month or something. And he's so excited about it. And he's so genuine. And he's like, you can literally do anything you want ever but the first thing is just get off the couch and just take one step towards that direction which is essentially what you're saying well that's yeah that's part of it but yeah the, that's part the key, of it. The, the key to the manifestation is being like at that step where it's going to happen as the next step whereas the couch mm -hmm, is like the first mm -hmm. step getting off of the couch but it's like yeah i want to manifest something like i said it's easy to find a quarter on the ground it's hard to find a briefcase full of uh hundred dollar bills yeah. As, as a possible reality. I mean, think about it. That's, that's how kind of, for me, let me, I'll give you a perfect example. When I first started having an awakening, started floating, started doing psychedelics, I learned it was about um, possibilities and probabilities that uh, perfect example was I wanted to manifest a pink stealth fighter. Stealth fighters usually black. 
it's very easy to manifest a black. The possibilities are very high. The probability is very high. Uh, but uh, probability of manifesting a pink stealth bomber is very low, but it's possible. So it's about possibility and probability. And so over time, I kept putting this mental thought of trying to see a pink stealth fighter. And I was trying to create that energy in my heart of just, I don't know, I didn't know how it was going to manifest. But one day I was, I, and here was the final tip. The final tip is to be able to let it go like a boomerang, right? You have to let that thing you want to manifest go, meaning you have to stop thinking about it. Because when you're, when you're thinking about wanting that thing, you're, not, you're creating the energy of wanting it, which is not having it. And so reality will keep coalescing to make you want it by not having it. So you have to be able to get to that space. And I think floating helped me achieve this of just being able to just drop things and let them go and then move on to the next thought. It's like you're in a restaurant and you want your food to come. The minute you let go of that food wanting to come, it comes. You just move, engage in conversation with the person next to you and stop bitching about where the food is and the food comes. You're, 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 you're stopping it from happening by wanting it to happen so bad. You're creating the, the lack reality. So that's what I do. Um, I don't know what the original question was, but there. <laughs> I think I'm kind of just rambling at this point. Yeah, I... Uh... I think, what was the I'm original question? It doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm satiated if you guys are satiated. Yeah, I think I'm, we, I mean. We've been going for a nice while now. How long think, do you normally do your things for? Like an hour. Okay, yeah. I think we're over like, we're, we're at least an hour and a half. We're, yeah. we're, um, we're actually, I really think we're maybe getting close to two. And yeah, but that's also the point is we don't cut it off at any specific point. We just want to see where it flows to. But I feel like, you know. We've gotten to a nice point here. Oh, no, I think, uh, yeah, if you don't have any more questions, then uh, I think we've uh, run out of ammunition for tonight. Yeah, totally. I, mean, Plus, I, I'm, I, I have more questions, but... I'll ask anything you want. Anything, uh, you can literally ask me anything you want. Yeah. Now's the chance. Can this be the last the yeah. last one, the last huzzah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so there's like two, and I'm like, which one's better? Ask them both. We got time for two. Um, we can go for. <clears throat> I'm just trying to be respectful to our guest. Actually. Oh, you're fine. You're fine. Okay. I got time for two more questions. Okay. Um. Um. This might be. This might go deep, or this might just be simple. Um. Do we need a biological body to be human? That's the first mm. question. First question. From the like earth relative perspective i think that's what makes us human a part of it is at least having a human body versus an alien body now is the question do we need a body in general a, a biological body or we or is it a human body versus an alien body or is it just uh an android body versus a biological body or just no body versus a body well yeah you just made the point right there so there could be many versions of our experience um but then the maybe the con i guess maybe the better way to put that question is would the consciousness alter based on the body or yes i think so i think i think your emotions are based on a lot of times i'm angry because my body's in pain so i think there's a corollary i think there's a connection between your mind body and your soul slash spirit it just seems to be the case. I'm just going to guess an intuitive yes. These people who want to put their consciousness into this realm for an almost an, an infinite amount of time, like for example, the theory on the elites is this: they know about karma. 
they know about it. They know that they fucked up. They know that they're evil. And they know when they die that there's going to be some kind of repercussion that they cannot control. Mm. But they think if they can prolong their existence that they will not have to face this ultimate uh, return to source slash mm -hmm. hell slash lower realm that they've manifested through living evil in evil existence. They don't want to die. They are willing to do anything. And so if they can preserve their consciousness in a machine in this 3D realm, that's what they want to do. And I think that's hell. Knowing what I know about the spirit through what I've experienced, I think we all want to be free of this body. And you, you get into stuff like Osho, when you die, it's like the ultimate orgasm to have that last uh, when you die, you know? So we don't want to be here. And a lot of people that have out-of-body experiences say, I didn't want to come back. It was so nice to be out of my body. And I, I felt so free and happy and blissful. Mm -hmm. And so I, uh, yeah. I, so I think a human body is a big component of the human experience, but I don't think that's what necessarily fully makes us human. It's a tough question to answer, but I think there's a corollary between the mind and the body. Uh, here's what I'll say about the mind and the body, actually. The mind creates the body, meaning what's happening in your body is a byproduct of what's coming downstream from the mind. So if you're anxious, you're going to start creating that chemical situation in your body that the anxious the anxiety is creating or the depression, the sadness, or, or if you're running around, you're feeling euphoric and you've got those happy chemicals pushing around inside of you. You're a chemical bag of experiences pushing through space and time, right? It's just a weird thing that we are. And so you do exercises, you can release emotions, like stored experiences in your cells. I do a thing called traumatic release exercises where you do specific exercises that concentrate on releasing the psoas muscles, which apparently all this uh, powerful, emotional, uh, like trauma. Like, so what happens is when we experience trauma, uh, we're conscious. And a lot of times we will repress the trauma that's happening to us. We don't sit there and just shake it out. Whereas you, if you watch animals, animals will, because they're not conscious beings like we are, they don't have shame or whatever. They're not trying to hide that they've been injured. Uh, they will shake it out. What happens over time is we accumulate these things inside of us, whether it's through uh, some kind of mental trauma at a, as a child that we can't we don't know how to deal with because we just don't understand so we compartmentalize and it's stored in the body whether we're physically assaulted or traumatized that's stored within the body ultimately even the all these emotions and physicalities are stored within the body and specifically in the psoas muscles and you do this exercise and it gets your psoas muscles to the point where they start shaking and your whole body it, it, it's waves into the body and you start having releases and you're laying there with your eyes closed your whole body's tremoring now on its own you've triggered it to the point where it's now convulsing out all these emotions and you're there with your eyes closed and you're seeing all these things you've forgotten about that maybe have traumatized you i'll, I'll give you another experience i was giving there was this uh, woman i was friends with and i was giving her a massage at her house one night and she had she's like a yoga teacher and she had like this gun where you could it was like a laser gun and you could put it on your body put a little heat on it and it would, it would help like it was helping release things well, I would put my hand on these spots and get it going and help her release these things. And every different spot, I would have a vision. And I would tell her the vision I was having. And I'm not, I'm not a psychic or anything. I do, I do from time to time on psychedelics or because of the floating, have these fifth dimensional space experience, which I call psychic, which is what psychics are actually doing. But anyway, so I'm tapping into the grid of energy into these spots contained within our body through massage and this laser beam. 
and I'm having these visions and she's telling me, she's like, yeah, this is where this boyfriend abused me here. And this guy did this to me there. And I, I, I tripped and fell there when I was a kid. I'm like, holy shit. Like I'm seeing all these things. I don't know anything about these things. And it's really trauma that's been stored in your body. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a true believer again, through experience that these things are stored inside of us and through sweating, through floating, through traumatic release exercises, yoga, you can uh, work through these things. I, I can't tell many times I've seen people cry in a yoga room, uh, you know, just releasing them. So uh, I don't, I guess, I don't know where that initial question where we got with that, but uh, yeah, the, I think- the, the intricacy of the mind versus body. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that's why I'm a big, big proponent of the float tank because the body is flowing downstream is being created via the mind. And if you've got a calm, relaxed, healthy mind, more than likely that's going to flow downstream into your body and you're going to have a nice, strong, healthy body, or at least you're going to start recognizing where you've gone wrong, what you need to eat better or exercise, or you need to see the chiropractor or you need to get a massage or something because something's not right. So again, float tank all across the board, mental, physical, spiritual, metaphysical. Uh, the more time you give it, the more benefits you're going to get. That's my mission. And so what was the other question? You had two questions. I mean, you basically touched up uh, upon it because you discussed the effect on the body to the mind and then the effect on the mind to the body. And what I got out of it was that basically they're intertwined. And, yeah, but I think, I think the, the, the brain takes the, the mind takes the, the higher position. I, I truly yeah. believe that if you work in the mind first, everything downstream will eventually yeah. um Go, come, become an alignment with the mind that has been repaired via you've gotten rid of the false belief systems that you've taken on. Like you get in the float tank and you're laying there and your mind is like a command prompt or it's like your windows are open and you see all these programs and belief systems that you've taken on, you've forgotten about, you've let go and you can go in and you can close them up and you say, you know, I can get my processing power back. I can get my mind to be a quieter, smoother running machine. I don't need to have all these things anymore. Or, or if you're a creative person, you lay there and you get all these ideas. Mm. Um, you go deep in your mind, and that's where the big fish are at the deep, dark levels, stillness. That's perfect for me. You, anything you want to add to that, Chad? I got, you know what? I do have one question <laughs> for you. This is a quick one, actually. Anything. Based on what I've listened to you speak about before, do you eat a certain way? You know, I'm a big believer in eating what your body kind of tells you to eat. And as much yeah. as you can intellectualize through other people's, uh, their beliefs of what you should eat or their experience, you should be vegan, you should be keto, you should be this diet, that diet. I am a, a picky eater. I try to not eat a ton of meat. I will eat meat from time to time because I think, A, that's how I grew up and that's how my body has known to grow or survive, whatever the process is. I didn't grow up on carrots and celery. I grew up on, I think most people, a normal, unfortunately a sad American diet. What is it? The standard American diet, sad um, for, for, for the most part. And then you become conscious and you say, well, I shouldn't eat this or that. And, or the mushrooms say, hey man, don't eat that anymore. Yeah. Uh, but no, I think, uh, I eat what I want to eat and it's a lot of, uh, I, 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 because I live in the float center also, I don't have a kitchen. Mm -hmm. I literally am like drinking athletic greens and muscle milk and, uh, anything you can buy at the grocery store that doesn't need any kind of heavy prep. Mm -hmm. And then obviously I'll treat myself from time to time with Taco Bell, Chipotle, 
oh, you know, yeah. the standard uh, crap that's around me here. But I'm, oh, to be honest with you, I'm not much of a food person. I'm not a foodie at all. A lot of times I will date a woman and it will go south quick because I'm picky and that's an issue. I used to live in Japan. That was a big issue over there that I was so picky because I don't like seafood. Uh, I don't like eating, uh, especially lobsters, crabs, you know, the bugs of the sea. So uh, I'm a picky person. And I think also it might have to do with awakening and not that I'm a breatharian, but I think you reach a certain level where the food is almost like you're like a hot air balloon and that's just weight. And, you know, it is. I I think certain foods can be grounding. Like sometimes I don't even know if this is true, but I feel it works for me that sometimes when I'm too flighty, I will go and eat some meat. I will go eat something dense to at least maybe even if it's the placebo of me feeling like I've kind of weighted myself down, I feel like it, it can be grounding. And that's the other thing. Floating is an extremely grounding uh, exercise as well. A post-float uh, or post-psychedelic float is probably the, one of the best things you can do because it's going to ground you and it's also going to put your brain back together from all the damage you've done the night before on LSD or MDMA. Mushrooms, not so much. Um, I, usually, I usually feel pretty good the night after mushrooms, but usually... LSD and MDMA, I am like, uh, usually like a crackhead and I look like one and I haven't slept and I can barely function. I mean, I, I call, I'll tell you a story. I called a float center one time before we owned it. I said, I couldn't even speak. I was talking like that. I'm not even trying to, I'm not trying to be offensive, but I could not speak. I was literally talking like that. I could just barely get it where he understood I needed to float. I came and I floated. I got in the float tank. I came back out and I'm talking like normal. And so the float, the float tank works, man. It works. It, it, it uh, when I'm, no when I'm smoking weed all day, when I'm smoking weed all day long and I blow my adrenal <laughs> glands out and I feel exhausted, I'm fucking exhausted by like two o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. I will get in the float tank on my lunch break and I just put back together, man. And I'm ready for round two wow. of more, more weed smoking. If you, if, if you want, if you want, it could be that, but no, usually it's uh, bedtime, but uh, yeah, man, definitely. Uh, thanks for having me on tonight and it's been fun and maybe we'll do round two. Maybe we can have you on mine. Uh, we'll talk about floating since you floated a lot, but, uh, anything else? No, I think that's, I think that's cool. And you know, we're so appreciative that you came and well, yeah, yeah, you got the special, uh, video version. I usually don't give anybody the video version. Uh, but it's easier for me to do the video when I'm being interviewed because when I'm interviewing somebody, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be a great listener. But I'm also trying to find jokes to make. I'm also tr- trying to find the segues in the the next question. Yeah. Like for me as an interviewer, it's like what it's going to be the next question, unless you've got a real good natural flow going. But a lot of times I've got like 15, 20 questions in front of me yeah. that I want to ask. And I'm trying to find unique ways to segue into that. So uh, interviewing for me is a very active thing. And uh, I, I, there's two ways I like to interview, which is know nothing about them at all, go in completely blind and ask questions like I don't even know them at all, or do every interview possible and do all the research and ask uh, questions about questions about questions, interviews from 10 years ago, stuff like that. Nardwar type stuff. Yeah, I literally just uh, quoted you on that yesterday when I was speaking to somebody about interviewing people because I listened to you say that. And I think both are very important things to do. But um Cool. Man, so Houston Ensemble, episode 22. Episode 22. Yay. Episode and by the way, I forgot to say, you said your other lucky number was 17. Yeah. And for me, eight is my lucky number. 
and good news for us, we start at 8 p.m. Central Time, and 17 equals 8, and so I'm going to see that as well, and I'm going to feel that, so it's yeah. all it's all very linked up. And, and 22 is 4, and that's half of 8, so there you go. Yeah, we're, we're in there. So, everybody, thanks for watching. Yeah. Uh, check out Float Universe on Instagram. Check them out in Florida. We're going to link everything in the description, man. Thank you so much for coming. Likewise. And, Thank you, too. Uh, we... Look, I'm going to be talking to you soon in some version or another. Yeah, I can't look forward to seeing this online, and I'll pass the links on. And uh, Yeah, we'll, we'll share it with you tomorrow probably when it comes out. Yeah. Cool, We're going to try to get it released within a day. Yep. Well, if you're ever in Florida, look me up, and we'll get together, and we will do something fun. Thank you so much, man. All right, man. Bye, we'll talk guys. to you soon. Thanks for spreading the float message. God bless you next time. God bless you. God bless you, you too, man. Thanks. See ya. Appreciate you. See, See ya. ya. Bye.